0: I I heard by those who had been listening to that little quartet that it was going to be pretty good, but I didn't realize it was going to be quite that good. So that was wonderful. Uh, What a blessing. What a blessing. And as Sharon said, um, it is good to see our covenant children worshiping, and not just worshiping, but leading us in worship. Amen? We uh, old fogies, all of us have a lot to learn from these young folks, right? You guys are a little nervous about that. All of us. When it comes to them, we all look old, right? Let's, uh, let's continue. Last week we looked at Ephesians 4, 1 through 10, and we're going to look now at Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 through 16. And so I invite you to kind of hear what, what God has to say to us uh, through these words of Paul this morning. Paul writes, the gifts that he gave were that some would be apostles, Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we continue in that spirit of worship, feeling your presence, knowing that your spirit is here already. We thank you, Lord, for the ways in which you speak to us through song, through children, Through your word. So we pray, God, that you would speak to us even now, that these words would be your words for your glory and for yours alone. Amen and amen. So today, uh, you may know this, today is the last Sunday. There's lots going on right now, but one of the things is it's the last Sunday uh, when you can get in nominations for elder or for deacon. Uh, and oftentimes around this time of year, uh, in, in this church and in past churches especially perhaps, uh, when people have been nominated, they have oftentimes come to me to say, what does this really mean? Should I really be open to being a, a church leader? What are the, what are the qualifications? What are the, what are the things you really have to do or not do? And so it seems like this is oftentimes uh, in the church year a good time for us to reflect just briefly on, on what it means to be um, a church leaders and how we as a church body can support and encourage Uh, church leaders, and the good news is that Paul likes to talk a lot about church leadership. He does it in many of his epistles, including in the fourth chapter today, and we'll look a little bit at at, at verse 7 from last week, but also this week has uh, a lot to tell us about the importance of church leaders and what they need to have and do and uh, what their priorities uh, should be, and as I was thinking about that for this week, kind of a random thought came to my mind, and it was the greatest gift, perhaps the greatest Christmas gift that I ever received when I was a child. It was, uh, I don't know, I, we, li- we were living in Guam at the time. We lived there for two years, so I was either seven or eight. So this means uh, it was in 1981 or 1982, and I received a phenomenal Christmas present. So I want to know if anyone can figure out what that was. I want to tell you it was not a Cabbage Patch doll, right? That's, that's the 80s. That's what people think about. It wasn't Cabbage Patch. So, so 1981 or 82, I received a phenomenal gift. Can anyone think about what that would be? If you can, I'll be very impressed, actually. Not a Transformer. I haven't heard it yet. Okay. Not a Chia Pet. No. It was an Atari... 2600, am I right? Yeah, an Atari 2600, right? I mean, this was the video game console, right? The fact that you could all of a sudden bring a video game that you could usually only play at an arcade, right? Anyone remember arcades, right? And you could have it in your very own home, right? And so it came with two cartridges, Missile Command and Space Invaders. And I'll tell you what, it was awesome. And Space Invaders, I mean, my sister and I, we played that whole day, that whole night. In fact, we went to bed, and I could have sworn that someone was still playing. It because I heard this, ch- 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 which was the noise at the Space Invaders. So I, I ran in to see who was playing it without me, and no one was in there. It's just that I had played it all day. I couldn't get it out of my head, right? Oh, what a great game. So anyways, the reason I tell the story is because what happened actually, somewhat surprisingly that morning, is that when we rushed in, my sister and I, to see what kind of great gifts uh, we had, uh, we looked and what, we, we totally didn't see it. It was only the Atari 26 was by the television just a few feet away. But, of course, when we came in, we were looking at what? The tree. We were looking at the sparkly Christmas tree. We were looking at, you know, it looked like it was kind of a dearth of presents under there, which was a bit disturbing. But we looked at the tree, and we looked at the Christmas gifts, and we saw that. And there was this phenomenal gift. I mean, the gift of a lifetime that was sitting right here just a few feet, and neither of us saw. And my parents just kind of stood there. They were just kind of waiting, right, until finally they kind of looked at us, and then they, they looked at the television, and they, they looked at us, and they looked at the television. I don't remember which one of us, my sister or I, finally probably screamed or something before we, we saw it, right? And so I tell you that story not to tell you how good I was at Space Invaders, but I was pretty amazing. Um, But it came to mind as I was thinking about this passage and about leadership this week for three reasons. One of them is, and this first one is really kind of a weird thing. It's probably just because I was thinking of video games. But as I was thinking about the theme of this passage, because it's a little bit strange what Paul is saying... What I was imagining is kind of the head, right? If Christ is the head, as we talked about last week, kind of floating up there like in a video game, if you will, right? And it's, it's up there. And what, what Paul is kind of imploring the body to do, because he says he wants the body to come up to full stature, is what Paul is wanting us to do is to kind of stand up until we fit and reach the head so that we can be fully connected. That's when you know that a, that a body of Christ is really working properly, as Paul says. And so a part of the video game for us as the body of, of, of Christ is to try to see what can we do, what can we as leaders and as a church body do to build ourselves up until we have reached our full stature and our body is connected with the head that is Jesus the Christ. That's one of the things That made me think about this Atari 2600. The second thing is the fact of how many of us and how easy it is for us to miss remarkable gifts that we have been given by God because of the fact that we are so focused on other things. It may be a sparkly tree. It may be uh, the busyness of life. It may be, this is what I find it to be most often, our own self-doubts. And so a reminder is verse 7, if we go back one week, when Paul says that every one of us, right? Today's passage talks about kind of gifts that are assigned to leaders. But in verse 7, every one of us, it says, are given gifts of grace. And usually we think that just means forgiveness. But in this case, it's actually a different kind of, of, of grace. It is actually grace to, to do something. It is a service, if you will. It is something that each of us have, all of us have a gift that we have been given to help fulfill and further the kingdom of God. And so if you're thinking about what does it make take to be a good leader, one of the things it takes is for the church body to know that each and every one of you has been given a gift by God. And that's the first thing that we want to know. If we want to start building ourselves up, it is for each of us to know that. And the other thing it seems to me when it comes to church leaders is that we have to be like my parents, which means that oftentimes the role of a church leader is to help those in the body to see where those gifts are. Because again, we are easily distracted and we are self-doubters. Oftentimes we wonder, what gifts do we have? God hasn't given us anything to really do for him. And so a part of the role of a leader is to help the church body to see what gifts they have, right? And so that's one of the reasons why most of the inquirer's class, including the, this is really probably even most important, at the sixth grade inquirer's class, I almost always want to ask them, what gifts do you have that can be used for God? It may be here at ZPC, it may be someplace else, but what gift do you have? And so that's one of the things we want to do. And as I was thinking about that, we were talking about that as a staff a little bit, a couple of us. And I realized that we have, of course, on our website, how many of you know this? We have a, a spiritual gift inventory that you can do. How many of you know that? some of you maybe half of you or so and so here's what i want to encourage you to do we've de- we've decided this week we have put it on the very front page right and we would love for you all to do a spiritual gift inventory and even if it's been 4 or 5 years to do another one if you're in a home group we want you to do it before you even go to the home group because we're going to talk about it as a home group okay but even if you're not in a home group it's on the front page right this sounds like an infomercial but i'm not you know it's not if you do this then you get also an emotional gift inventory for free right no It's a spiritual gift inventory, and we want you to do this because a part of what is important about ZPC is we will only be as strong as each one of you is strong in understanding your own gifts. So go to the front page. So again, the first most important thing that we can learn about leaders is, A, we need the church body to know that they are gifted, and B, we need to realize that there are a lot of times that we as leaders need to help you all to find your gifts, right? Sometimes in the business world, they call that delegating, right? right? I don't call it delegating. I mean, helping other people see what they can do so that the leadership isn't doing everything. The leadership role is to find others and equip others to do that, right? Which brings us to our second thing. And this is in verse uh, 12 and 13. And it, this is something If there's probably that, that maybe the most important thing that I say all day. Let me read what it says the leaders are supposed to do. They are supposed to equip The saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. And what is most important here, and I think what most of us or many of us get wrong, is that word that leadership is supposed to equip you all. You may have heard uh, something this week, I don't know if you've heard it, Um, something called deflate gate. Anyone heard that? I mean I think you know unless you don't have a phone or a computer or a television or a friend more than likely you have heard of deflate gate right but just in case there's one or two of you who are not familiar with deflate gate let me tell you what this is just very briefly right this of course affects the indianapolis colts right which was that was that tom brady the quarterback for the new england patriots uh, was uh, accused that, that that the equipment manager and a ball boy for the patriots apparently deflated some footballs uh, for his hands so that he could more easily throw the football, okay? Everyone everyone, get that, right? And apparently, right, if the suspension upholds, the first game that he will be playing when he comes back next season is right here, right? And what I was reading in the papers is if you have those tickets, then you should sell them because you can make a lot of money, right? So, so that just, that's just a financial, uh, and then give the profits to the church. So <laughs> where was I? Oh, yeah, so. So here we go. So we have Deflategate, right? And not surprisingly, right, most of us, millions of people at least, have heard of Tom Brady. But this is probably the most publicity that any equipment manager has gotten in decades, right? I mean, I can't even remember. John Yastrzemski or James McNally. Anybody familiar with those two guys or their names before Deflategate? Probably not, right? And that makes sense, right? Because really, Tom Brady is the one who is the quarterback. He's the one who's out on the field, right? He's the one who's doing all the plays, who's making those great plays. He's in on the action. So, of course, we know Tom Brady, and we don't know the equipment manager, who they tend to just either be on the sideline or in the locker room or apparently in the bathroom deflating footballs. So, so, but, but we don't know them, right? I mean, that just makes sense that we would know them, that we would know Tom Brady, The question, as I was thinking about it this week, is if we were to ask you all, if I were to ask you all, or if I were to ask most churchgoers, who in the church is the quarterback? Right? Not who's the coach. Jesus is the coach. Who is the quarterback and who is the equipment manager? I wonder what most folks in the church would say. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that most people in the church would say that the leaders, and let me say this, that the pastor especially is the quarterback. And I want you to know that according to Paul, that is absolutely dead wrong. That I am not the quarterback of ZPC. Do you know who the quarterback and the wide receiver and the offensive lineman and the linebacker are of ZPC? Do you know who that is? Yeah, that's right. It's you. You may never have considered yourself a quarterback or an offensive lineman, but you are. And the reality is we have flipped the script. And we have made all too often the pastor, the one who was up there and who was the, the quote, in the action, in the spotlight. And I want you to know that because of that, churches struggle to stand up to the stature that Christ wants. And as long as we keep flipping that script or that playbook, if you will, and keep making the leaders or the pastor the quarterback and you all the equipment manager, we will never be who Christ has called us to be. We are called to be the equipment managers, which means, right, that Scott and I are Sean Sullivan. Right? Who's Sean Sullivan? He's the Indianapolis Colts equipment manager. But you don't know that. And what I would love, it seems to me, is that if I went out into the community, what would be phenomenal to me, what would be helping me to see again that the church at ZPC is, is who it is called to be, is that, is that when someone says, yeah, I go to ZPC, it's not, oh, isn't that, isn't that the church where Scott Shelton is or where Jerry Deck is? No, no, no. Isn't, isn't that the church where, where Judy Barnes goes, right? Or or, or or where Michael Young goes, or or, or Courtney Green goes, or, or whomever it is, anyone other than us, because because it's not about us. It's about equipping the team to go out and to be the church that we have been called to be. And so we have to always, as church leadership, be asking ourselves, are we being the main stars or is the call to equip you all to go out for the kingdom of God? We are called as leadership to equip you all. And all that happens when we become the stars is that we simply get big heads rather than allowing Christ to be the head. Amen? Sean Sullivan, don't forget it. But there's one other thing, it seems to me, in this passage that I think that we as leaders have to do. We have to help people to see that they have gifts, every one of us. We have to do what we can to equip. And then we have to serve as examples of what it means when Paul says that we are called to speak the truth in in love. That rolls off the tongue a lot more easily than it rolls off our hearts. The reality is that speaking the truth in love is remarkably difficult. It is a tension, if we are honest. And most of us fall on one side or the other. Some of us are really good at speaking the truth, right? We love speaking the truth, right? And that's just, that's what I'm good at. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And quite frankly, I may not care how I say it or how it affects you at all, but I'm going to tell you, right, I had a person at at a previous church of mine, that's the honest truth, it's not here, at a previous church of mine, and she was always, it seemed to me, bragging about how honest she was. And she would say to me and to others, well, I don't care if everybody else in the church is not going to be honest about this, I'm going to tell you what I think. And she would say it with this kind of huge sense of pride that she's going to tell everybody. And there was a rare thought that went through her mind that did not come out of her tongue. But the reality is that because she had done that so much and because she had hurt so many people along the way that it didn't matter how truthful it was what she was saying because no one was listening to her anymore. If you only are speaking the truth and there is no sense of love, then it is of no help and it will not build up the church community. But then there are others of us who will do everything in our power to not tell the truth in fears that it is going to hurt somebody, right? Or in fears that it's going to cause some kind of issue. And we're afraid that we will appear unloving. Right, Church leaders deal with this all the time. And the church, the business world is a lot better at saying no than church leaders are. Right, So, so oftentimes, especially in other churches, but even here, people will come in with, this, with ideas that can be great ideas. right? But sometimes church leaders have to figure out, there are times when we have to say no to something, no matter how great of an idea it is, because we have a, a particular place that we are going in our mission, and, and that needs to be the direction we go in. And, and sometimes it's hard to say no. But sometimes we have to be able to do that. We have to speak the truth in love. But other times, other times we struggle with it because of the simple fact that we know if we speak the truth in love, it may cause conflict. That there may be disagreement then that, come, that unfolds and we get really nervous about that. And a part of why we get nervous is completely understandable, I think. Which is that by and large, the church has not done a great job of being able to talk about difficult issues. Right? We have either responded by getting angry or by leaving. And that is never a good recipe for having a culture where you can speak the truth in love. So here in about three weeks, three weeks from today, on June 7th, we're gonna talk about a difficult issue. We're gonna talk a little bit about human sexuality. We're not gonna kind of dig too far into it, but we're gonna kind of bring it up as a conversation and and I know that that's going to cause some, some concern because we have people who think pretty strongly on both sides in terms of what God wants and what God desires. And, and, and I know already because I can already feel it, quite frankly, I feel it on me, some of the anxiety there. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we a body who is willing to stick together and to have hard conversations and to speak the truth in love to one another? Or will we resort to what our culture has done, which is simply to get angry and to explode and to go into two different camps and say, forget it? Again, as I keep bringing up, Paul would not have talked about church unity if everyone agreed on everything. We would not have to be patient and gentle and humble and put up with one another, as we talked about last week, if we all agreed on everything. Am I right? You guys are already anxious. (laughs) But as church leaders, we have to lead in that. We have to lead by speaking the truth in love. And again, all of this works towards what Paul says at the very one, and building ourselves up in love, right? That only when we have done these things will we be fully standing up straight into the stature of Christ. Love is what Paul keeps coming back to. And if there was one requirement for leadership, it is this, that you love God and that you love this church beyond any of your own personal desires or wants but that you want to see this church flourish and to be about Christ, that you want to see this as being a church that is genuinely called together by God to make disciples and release them for service into our broken world. And so over the next couple, two or three weeks, as we kind of get these nominees that have come in and we ask, I hope and pray that each of you, if you're nominated, that you will will be open to that and say, is this what God is calling me to? And for the rest of us, I hope and pray that we will be in prayer. Because the reality is we will only be as strong and united as a church as our leadership is strong and united. So my hope and prayer is that you will be praying. Am I somebody or do we know somebody who clearly is good at helping to see the gifts in others? Right? Who clearly wants to equip the church rather than be the person who needs to be in the spotlight. And who knows how to speak the truth in love. And whose desire is for God and for God alone. Brothers and sisters in Christ, on this day, that is my hope and my prayer for us as leaders. That we would not stoop over any longer. But that we would continue to be building up more and more into the stature of Christ. Until all we hear each and every night when we lay ourselves down in bed. All we think about, if you will, are those questions. How can we keep standing up more fully into Jesus Christ who is the head? May that be our prayer. Amen.